Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. The Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And we are here at Baycon 2017. Yay! So for those of you who don't know, uh, Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And in fact, uh, tomorrow at Baycon, and later in your feed, if you're listening to this later, we will be interviewing James S.A. Corey, yeah. uh, a.k.a. Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. Yes, we're very excited. I mean, we we had them on the show back in the video days. Oh yeah, back we made them. We, I mean, literally everyone who comes on the show for an interview becomes super yeah, famous and exactly. gets TV show. Right. It's amazing how that happens. I know. It was it had nothing to do with their talent. Tom, where's our TV show? <laughs> I know. Damn it. <laughs> it happened to our television show. We're just working. so giving. I know. We That's just why. give and we give and we give. And speaking of giving, for the What Are We Drinking segment, Robert brought us some amazing bourbon to share. This is Michter's limited release toasted barrel finish bourbon. That does not mean it's from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh it's whiskey. It's whiskey. It's whiskey. So what do you think? You want to have a little sip? Yes. Cheers to cheers that. Cheers to that. Cheers to bacon. And if anyone wants to try some, please come and join me. Yes. He was very generous in his pour. So. Yeah. And I have to <laughs> drive home later. So it'll be, a, yeah, if I get too far down, we'll be calling a lift. It's totally fine. Um, but let's... <laughs> They call them elevators. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. This is good. So now every time like, I sigh, you get like, validation. I can like, okay, good. It's not just me. Perfect. That's half the fun of being having a live audience. Um, so let's jump into the quick burns. Let's do. Uh, Louie posted on our quick burns thread at Goodreads. The Nebula Award winners have been announced. Big congratulations to Charlie Jane Anders, San Francisco's own. Yes. Charlie Jane Anders. All was, the Birds in the Sky won Best Novel. Yeah, we, we read that book. I loved it. It was a lot of fun we to read. We made that I win. mean, we, we made her happen, basically. <laughs> um, but there were, there were a lot of great novels up for up for the award this year. Um, you know, Obelescape by N.K. Jemisin, Nine Fox Gambit. Um, so there were there was tough competition. Yeah, don't forget Everfair and Borderline. I mean, it, it, all good novels. And Novella went to Every Heart, A Doorway by Shauna McGuire. Yay! Yay, Shauna. I'm actually surprised I haven't seen her here at the con. Usually I see her at, at local events, but... She has moved. She's not local. She's not local anymore? Seattle. Seattle also, she now. keeps an eye out for you now. No, she's like, oh, this one again. <laughs> not good. Uh, so that's awesome. Congratulations to all the winners. And, uh, of course, we also have the 2017 Locus Award finalist. Um, this is from Rob, who posted over in our forums. And we have uh, Company Town by Madeline Ashby from Tor. Uh, the Medusa Chronicles by Stephen Baxter and Alistair Reynolds. Uh, Take Back the Sky by Greg Bear. Visitor by C.J. Sherry. Uh, Babylon's Ashes by James S.A. Corey. Mm. Uh, Death's End by Shikshin Liu. Uh, After Atlas by Emma Newman. Central Station by Levi Tithar. <laughs> What? What? I'm just how how many nom finalists there's a lot of, there's yeah. a lot of finalists. Like, isn't it usually like five? Like, that's I, cool. Locus is always it's always long. long. Yeah. Okay, we have the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, and last year by Robert Charles Wilson. And that's just science fiction, folks. I know. We didn't have- <laughs> 
Uh, they have fantasy and horror. We're not going to read the horror. They're great. We love them. Uh, fantasy novel, though, All the Birds in the Sky, up yeah. for uh, that, that one as well. Summer Long by Peter S. Beagle, who's also here at Baycon. Uh, City of Blades, Robert Jackson Bennett, The Obelisk Gate, N.K. Jemison, Children of Earth and Sky by Guy Gavriel Kay, Wall of Storms by Ken Liu, Last Days of New Paris by China Mieville, The Winged Histories by Sophia Samatar, and The Nightmare Stacks by Charles Strauss and Necessity by Joe Walton. Wow, there's so many good books out there. Yeah, you almost didn't make it. Drink your, drink your bourbon, Tom. <laughs> That's better. Let those That's names better. go down easy. That's right. Oh my God, and there's first novel and novella. That, But yeah. yes, good luck to everybody nominated for a Locus Award. I'm looking to see if we're nominated. Damn it! And there isn't a category for podcasts, so it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, we didn't mention though that we are the podcast guest of honor here at Baycon. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was right. it, which which I think is new for this year, right? So thank you very much for for the having inaugural. us there. The inaugural. Yeah, that yeah. feels pretty good. Uh, that feels they can really only good. get better from here. <laughs> 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 we're setting the bar very low, is what we're saying. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, this is our third year at Baycon. Third is it or fourth? Just three. I mean, I was a Toastmaster. I was I a came Toastmaster. When you were a Toastmaster. You didn't come when I was a Toastmaster. No, because so I, I think hate it's you. Four for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awkward. Okay. It's got <laughs> weird really awkward. fast. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, this is, this is the, what I love about these finalists being announced is that it gives me so many more books to add to my to read list. Like that's the kind of the hard part though. Cause I always feel like there's a thousand books that I keep adding every year. Do when you feel like you're falling behind when you look at these finalist lists and you're like, Oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't even heard of maybe one or two of them. I feel like I'm falling behind when I look at my bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> stacks Seriously. and stacks and stacks of books, um, which is an awesome thing to have. But yeah, it's hard to keep up sometimes, especially with books that are in a series Yeah, because like we, we read Leviathan wakes, for example, for sword and laser. And I was never able to, to continue catching up with the series oh, because I of the, not, uh, the ob- yeah. obligations of the of the book club shows, but um, yeah, you've you've done a great job of of staying up to date. But it's hard because we have to read a book a month for the show. You have to read two because you're in two book clubs, uh, and then trying to fit in other time competes with all the great movies and video mm-hmm. games and television shows and comics that are out there. And apparently, we're going to get more of those. Torb Kristen points out that George R. R. Martin has said that the HBO Game of Thrones spinoffs. That are in development. They haven't been greenlighted, but there's four, maybe five in development will not include Robert's Rebellion nor Duncan Egg. He's saying it's nothing that he's written. This is all out of, I mean, he's written the history of Westeros, so it's out of that. But these are all stories that haven't been told before. Uh, I'm shocked. I was like positive it was going to be at least a Duncan Egg. I was like, Duncan Egg has to be, right? But no, apparently not. Are you guys, did you want a Dunkin' Egg like TV show? Yeah, getting a lot of enthusiastic nods here. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of a bummer. No, door, door. Boy. Yes, because that's less disruptive. <laughs> well, now we've we've got it in. It's it's canon for oh, the episode. Oh, I got it. Yeah, so no, that's now, smart. Now people Good will job. be prepared for, for the sound. <laughs> Sally's like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make this happen. Oh. Uh-oh, oh, yeah. oh, you don't have to do that. Sally's now sitting next to the door to prevent it from making loud noises. You're a, you're a peach. Thank you. Okay. So she is Wonder Woman. Thank you very much. Uh, so yeah, that's that's. I'm really excited for four new shows. But I like, mean, we may not get all four. They're yeah, in development. That's true. But that's I love true. I, I love that they're they're doing that many. Yeah, it's gonna be. I just love the idea of like that many more potential like shows as part of the world. And like, the cool thing, to like me, I want Dunkin' Egg too. Believe me. But yeah. the cool thing is like, but we're also, but we have Dunkin' Egg. Mm-hmm. We actually can enjoy that. These are gonna be stories that we've never 
had a chance to hear about or see. Absolutely. Um, but also in another world that I am extremely passionate about is there is going to be a Witcher TV show. You guys stoked? So I am obsessed, obsessed. So Trike and Rob both wrote over on the forums. Our recent SNL pick and popular video game series, The Witcher, is being made into a TV show by Netflix. Um, and of course, the the author, uh, whose name I always mess up, Andres Sapkowski. Sapkowski. Sapkowski, yeah. Andres Sapkowski. Good old uh, Andre. Is a consultant. So it's actually based on the book, not the video game. And when we read the, the book, books, yeah. you know, we talked about the fact that he's fine with the video game, mm -hmm. but he doesn't in involve himself with it and doesn't consider it part of his canon universe. But this TV show will be. Yeah. And so allegedly there was supposed to be, it was originally optioned as a film that was supposed to come out in, in 2017, or it was optioned as a film in 2017. Um, but that seems now to have been scrapped. So they're no longer talking about a movie. It's instead going to be an episodic TV show. Um, but the, the, the producer who worked on the mummy and the expanse, which gives me a lot of hope too, that this will be super awesome. Um, his name is Sean Daniel, uh, is co coming on board to, to work on the TV series. And going back to HBO, uh, David posted that Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff is coming to HBO with Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams as executive producers, Magic and Racism in 50s America. I think the book had some potential issues, but Peele's studio involvement makes me beyond excited, wrote David on our Goodreads forum. If you're not familiar, it's a little bit horror, but Lovecraft Country is a 2016 novel from Matt Ruff that focuses on a 25-year-old man named Atticus Black after his father goes missing Black joins up with his friend Letitia and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America to find him. This begins a struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white America and the malevolent spirits that could be ripped from a Lovecraft paperback. And this is, uh, you know, especially cool to have Jordan Peele attached to it, who had <clears throat> such a major hit with Get Out, which yeah. focused on a lot of issues of systematic racism. Um, and, so horror it's, and horror. horror. And he is a, an absolute horror nut. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys watched uh, Key and Peele, but like you could see his obsession with horror throughout <laughs> the series because he's just a fan of it. And I think like a lot of those those comedy shorts that they did for the show really kind of illustrated not only how funny they are, but also what talented directors, uh, especially Jordan is. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm really ex excited to see like what his, what happens with his career. Uh, you guys know if you listen to the show, I'm not the biggest horror fan. Um, the only Cthulhu stuff I've read is Cthulhu Erotica. You said so. it twice. <laughs> <laughs> So I, my, 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 my needs are very limited in that space, but this sounds also to have like kind of a funny aspect to it. Well, all of Peel's work has a sense of humor, humor even though Get yeah. Out is not a comedy, it definitely has an appeal to humor. So I would expect this to be the same. Has anyone, so this was a, this was a book. Yes, by this Matt Ruff. Okay, and has anyone, we have a comment from the audience to say the comment and then you read it. Okay. And did you, was it scary? Not, not very, not, not very much scary. scary. Okay. okay. I mean, it was okay. More like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't too much with the tentacles. Oh no, I'm fine <laughs> with, so the with the tentacles. I'm good with the tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? not my problem. So the, sca the, the scary stuff. Part was the Jim Crow part. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Actually, uh, that makes sense. Set right. you up to think the Lovecraft stuff's going to scare you, and then yeah. scare you with the reality. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. 
audience members saying it's really the Jim Crow stuff that's that's pretty terrifying and scary within the novel. So that will probably cross over into into the TV show. Um, so that sounds like I can I can you know as upsetting as that that is like I think I can visually handle it, which is usually my thing. I get very scared of like jump scares and, and things like that. You should make well Ryan with. watch it first. Just yeah, that's what I usually do. My husband Ryan today saw the, he saw the new Alien movie, Alien Covenant last night, and I made him explain, not only, so I've never seen any of the Alien films. Never, any of them. And I made him sit on the bed this morning and for 45 minutes he explained the alien cannon to me. Veronica, Veronica like, ran yeah. upstairs. I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm staying at her house. She's very nice enough to let me yeah. stay at their house. Uh, she runs upstairs. I'll be right back down and, th- and then we can head out. I'm like con, yep. checking Twitter, playing with the dog, you know. It's like, where are they? Cooking a meal, reading a few books, and eventually reading she came, War and Peace. She came down and found me like laying on the floor with her dog. And I'm like, where were you? Getting Alien Covenant. Yeah, but Explain. I was getting the backstory. Yeah. So now I, I, I feel very well versed, but that's beside the point. I love hearing about scary movies. I hate actually watching them. Is that Maybe weird? That, what that's that a say? service. Yeah, that is a service. Well, it's called Wikipedia. That's a service. No, but like audio, they could do an audio thing that you could deliver to people mm-hmm. with a feed. Oh, some kind of <laughs> yeah, like a cast of some sort, right. like a, like an over-the-air cast. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, like that goes a, to your devices like directly, cast. like a netcast. Yeah, netcasts mm-hmm. we love from, from people we trust. Us. <laughs> okay, that's a, never mind. Like one person got that joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Uh, Alex says Neil Gaiman agrees to read the entire Cheesecake Factory menu uh, with a catch. If not five... just to himself, like not he'll just to himself. record it quietly in a dark room, which would be fascinating. Um, if fifty five hundred thousand dollars has been raised for a charity of his choice, which happens to be the United Nations Refugee Agency. Yeah. So this is coming from Boing Boing. Um, and I think I feel like they've already gotten pretty close to their goal, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, it started with, oh, so this is how I found out about it because I follow uh, the comedian on Twitter who kind of got it, got the ball rolling, uh, Sarah Benicasa. Uh, she tweeted, Dear Neil, Neil himself, for $500,000 to the charity of your choice, would you read the Cheesecake Factory menu in its entirety on stage? Please advise. To which he replied a few hours later, I have said yes. If she makes it happen for charity, I will do this thing. <laughs> which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. Twitter brings people together sometimes when it's not horrible. It can. It's just yeah. a tool. It's just a tool. <laughs> and sometimes full of them. <laughs> so I think that's pretty amazing. Um, and it's like, but why Cheesecake Fact? Oh, because it's so long. Yeah. I just got that. It's like it's 20 pages day, long. It's the modern day I'd have him read the phone book. Yeah. Right? Because it's the size of a phone book. Wow. Okay. That is, Kids, ask yeah. your parents what a phone book is. Cheesecake Factory and what? BJ's. B- what's BJ's? Oh, it's a chain of restaurants. Oh. It's another chain of restaurants? It's a West okay. Coast chain of restaurants. Is it? Okay. Yeah, there's All one right. in San Rafael I used to go to. They were saying that BJ's and Cheesecake Factory have pretty equally long they're pretty, Yeah, menus. they're very big menus. Okay. I like the breakfast quesadilla. From the Cheesecake Factory. Wow, you have a favorite Cheesecake yeah. Factory. I couldn't tell it's really you. really tasty. I mean, I assume it's very they have large. cheesecake. Yeah. Oh, cheesecake. <laughs> All right, well, thank BJ's you. BJ's brews their own beer, though. Do they? Yeah. That's fancy. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, like half the audience is like, yes. Yes, they do. I'm like, All right. Party at BJ's. 
That's why some. That's why Robert brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Robert. All right. Gives us booze. Makes me say BJ repeatedly on the podcast. <laughs> Way to go. There Kids goes ask our, your parents. There goes our PG. <laughs> Sword and laser. Ruining youth's minds since 2007. Yeah. Well, thank you to everybody who contributed stories to the Quick Burns. Uh, if you want to add a story yourself, you can head over to goodreads.com slash sword and laser and post in our Quick Burns thread. I have to say, they are better than any of us have ever been at collecting this news. They're yes. always on top of it. You guys yeah. are the best. All right. So now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. So get ready to ask some questions, please. Prepare them in your mind while we read this email from Liz. Liz says, I'm on the literature division for Worldcon 75, held in Helsinki this year, and a huge fan of Sword and Laser. Thank you, Liz. Um, I wanted to let you know that I will be hosting book club meetups for Sword and Laser and Vaginal Fantasy as part of the Worldcon program. That's awesome. The meetups will be open to anyone attending the con, and we'll, we'll be discussing the August picks for each club. I better pick something good. Um, I can't wait to meet all the fellow genre book fans from around the world. Uh, we haven't finalized the schedule yet, so I can't tell you guys the days for the meetup, but the con is from August 9th to 13th, and it's going to be a fantastic lineup. Kind regards, Liz. Anyone in the audience going to Helsinki this year? Oh, nice. Nice. Ian, and what's your name? Chad, all right. They're both right. going to be there. So you guys better Represent. head over to the Sword and Laser meetups. You know who lives in... I want to go. Patrick Beja lives in Finland. He lives in Finland? Yeah. Our friend Patrick Beja, who co-hosts the Daily Tech News Show uh, with me, as mm -hmm. well as some other things, lives in Finland. That's awesome. I want to go there. We should make him go, at least. It's in August. Oh, that's so soon. Well, I probably won't be able to go, but I'm really excited for you guys. Um, so yeah, if anyone in the audience has any question about the show or books we've read or podcast-related stuff, thoughts. if not, that's totally okay. No, um, you all have to ask a question. You all have to. It's a mandatory participation. <laughs> or you'll never make it out of this hot, hot room. <laughs> Do we have any questions? Any takers? Anything, just one, just one, just a stupid question. I'm totally. Yeah, we're not like James Sally's say, Corey. We don't, we don't make you ask the perfect question. How did you two meet to get this all started? How did Tom and I meet to get this all started? Um, we, it was at a BJ's. <laughs> um, no, so Tom was. So we both worked at CNET back in. To, I started in 2004. Well, you were an intern. I was an intern. I he had, had a, a real job. job. <laughs> <laughs> it was my first job out of college. It was my first real job. And um, I was uh, hired as an audio production intern. I feel like I haven't told this story like on air in a really long time. Can I tell just this little part? Yeah. So Molly Wood and I at CNET were doing a show called Buzz Out Loud. It was brand new. Podcasting was brand new. It was 2005. And a man named James Hilliard was running the board for us. James Hilliard had previously been the radio producer at ZDTV back in 1999. When James quit ZDTV radio, he was replaced by Eileen Rivera, who is now my wife. Oh. So it was cool to be working with James again, uh, and it brought back lots of happy memories. But then James quit CNET, and they put an intern in his Some place. Some crappy intern. Yeah, he went to go work at Oracle. If I remember correctly. Which owns this Which hotel. Which owns this hotel, weirdly. <laughs> it, it all comes, comes back together. Around. Um, so yeah, so I was like, I was a fan of, it was pre-podcast. Like it was, they were basically like just webcasts. Like they, it wasn't a name really. 
like podcasts as a term had just started picking up yet. It had just been coined. Apple, yeah, yeah Apple had really nothing, like, they weren't involved with it yet. There was no podcast store or page or directory or no, anything like that. You had like to that. use iPod or X. Or like Lemon. Lemon uh, iPod or X became Lemon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so smart. Um, <laughs> that was supposed to be genuine. I'm sorry. Didn't come off that way. Um, and so, yeah, they were like, do you want to try your hand at editing the show? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I know what a podcast is. That's cool. It would be really great to get to work on one. And I, so I did that for a few months. And then I just started, like, Molly said something, like, wrong about something Apple-related one day. And I just remember I leaned over and, like, hit the, the, like, the cue button on my on my on my board and like started talking and tom was like and in case you don't know that's that's veronica belmont she's our intern i said producer board. i think i called Did you a producer you? Oh, that's yeah. nice. thank you yeah. i only mock you now i wouldn't oh, have mocked you then okay <laughs> and i had to build up my confidence first <laughs> yes. before you could tear me down okay <laughs> you and can take it now i can take it now and so yeah, that's kind of how it got started and we we started doing buzz out loud together i came on as the third regular co-host and um I left CNET three years later, but Tom and I enjoyed doing the podcast together so much that we decided to to actually make a new show uh, about something else we were really passionate about, which was books. And Tom was a big science fiction fan, and I loved fantasy. And so we decided to do a, a, a book club where we swapped off genres each month uh, back and forth to learn more about what the other person really enjoyed. This was your idea. Actually, because she would come into my office at CNET and go, you should learn to play Warcraft. I'm going to install it on your ThinkPad right now. (laughs) And this was one of those kinds of ideas. Like, we should do a book club about science fiction and fantasy because you're always telling me about science fiction. And I know lots of fantasy books. And we should do a a book club online about it. And the podcast was something early on. We're like, and maybe it'll become a podcast. But But originally it was just on just a a blog. We had a Ning forum. Right. Do you guys remember Ning? It was like a very early like social network network site um and they they eventually went paid and we're like we're not paying for internet stuff that's crazy Uh, and so we jumped over to goodreads and we've been there ever since so october of this year will be the 10th anniversary of the launch of the book club not the launch of the podcast but the launch of the book club i think we have some people here who've even been with us that long at least josh and and i don't know if anyone else has but it's been a it's been a long awesome run so that's yeah that's how sword and laser got it started that's a much longer answer to your question (laughs) was it good? <laughs> Any other questions? Who's got the next question? Ju- jump into book stuff. Who's got the next question? Nope. It's okay. I'll edit out the awkward silence later. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, no. That's we're fine. leaving no, it No, we're in. leaving it in. <laughs> Only because Tom's talking over it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so now we are going to uh, jump into the book of the month discussion. And uh, first we do it by talking about the... Not, is it kickoff time? It's still, yeah, I guess it is kickoff it's not, time. We're gonna we're gonna Jeez. hold off on a full kickoff yeah. uh, for today, but we will announce our book for June so that folks can uh, jump in if they like. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the book is going to be uh, the Hum and the Shiver, um, a novel of the Tufa by Alex Bledsoe. And I'm picking this book because we we recently had you may have heard at the end of uh, one of our more recent episodes um, we did like a little. Im, Im, uh, we, we had a forum member pass away very suddenly, and uh, I wanted to read something that she had been reading. And so she has, uh, Joanna is her name, and she, she loved uh, Lois McMaster-Bouchold, 
Um, she had a lot of, uh, she had great taste in books. I mean, she was one of our favorite forum members and she always had something to add about all of our discussions. And she also, I noticed looking at her page, so we, we have a term for like not finishing a book called lemming. And it's when, <laughs> I always feel so bad explaining this. Um, but I couldn't finish Stanislaw Lem. Yeah, I couldn't finish Memoirs Found in the Bathtub. And so it turned into a verb somehow to to Lem a book, which I feel really awful about. And then we named our dragon, which was on our YouTube show, after Lem to kind of try to rehabilitate it. Right, We're right. not against Stanislaw Lem in any respect. <laughs> He's an amazing author. Yeah. Uh, and now I like to think of it as you Lem a book because Lem the dragon burns it with fire. Oh, okay. That's kind of harsh too, actually. Because you're not going to finish reading it. He's a book burner? <laughs> only only the ones you ask him to. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yikes, and man. because he's a magical dragon, he can reconstitute at any point. Oh, okay. So, yeah, That's good. So Joanna, she lemmed a lot of books. So I'm like, okay, if she didn't lem this one, it must mean that she had like like high hopes for it. Like she was into it. Um so this is one of the books she was most recently reading, and I'm I'm it was excited. Her current, to, it's on her current it, it's reading. on her currently reading list. And uh, I just thought it would be nice if we as a group finished it with her. Yeah. Um, so that's that was the the thinking behind picking this book this month. And the book is? I said it already. Well, tell us a okay. little more about it. The book it. is The Hum and the Shiver, a novel of the Tufa by Alex Bledsoe. And uh, the description on Amazon reads, Private Bronwyn Hyatt had left her small town of Needsville for the army to escape the pressures of her mystical Tufa family legacy. She returns a lone survivor after a disastrous attack overseas, wounded in body and spirit. But cryptic omens warn of impending tragedy, and a restless haint lurks nearby. I don't know what a haint is. Um, waiting to reveal Bronwyn's darkest secrets. Now, Bronwyn finds the greatest battle lies right in her backyard, especially as young minister with too much curiosity arrives in town. If she makes the wrong choice, the consequences could be deadly for all the Tufa. So Patrick Rothfuss, you guys familiar with Patrick Rothfuss? The name of the wind. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss says, imagine a book somewhere between American Gods and Faulkner. In brief, a good book. Absolutely worth your time. So I think that's that's high, high praise, high praise yeah. for sure. High praise from a person who knows who, who knows a thing or two yeah so i'm excited about this one all right we are going to start discussing the long way to a small angry planet by becky chambers we're not gonna like spoil intentionally but we're also not going to avoid spoilers because this is the wrap-up mm -hmm. so if you do not want to be spoiled on a long way to a small angry planet by becky chambers we will give you this opportunity to jump to vacate and we, and take your time no, no rush. No rush. We can uh, edit it after. Yeah, because we can edit afterwards. But uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> about, <laughs> sorry about that. Bye, it's okay. You can represent us in Helsinki, Chad. Yes. And then, Thank yeah, you very much. Perfect. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, has anyone here read the book? Oh, right on. Oh, okay, good. cool. Very cool. This is great. Yeah. So this one, this was a fun one. This was a a fast read, um, but I definitely have some thoughts on it. But I wanted to kick things off with a forum thread from Colin, and then if any of you guys who have read the book want to jump in with your thoughts and opinions too, feel free, and I'll repeat it on on mic for for the listeners at home. So Colin says. Discussion seems to have dried up quite early for this book. Is that because so many of you have read it before this month? I really enjoyed it for its world building and the great cast of characters. I found that I didn't mind that it was plot light because I was enjoying just passing the time of the day with the crew. There were a few moments that didn't seem terribly well executed, however. Tagged to spoilers just in case, so final warning. 
After building up Rosemary's mysterious past, we know from the outset that her ID is fake and that she's running from something, the reveal of her circumstances and then its dismissal as, irrever- as irrelevant really seemed to be underplayed. Given that it was a source of tension for so long, it deserved a more substantial resolution. Similarly, Corbin's decision to give Ohan the cure for his condition against his will was a shocking moment. All kinds of violation and personal boundaries crossed, but it felt like there were no consequences for his actions. So those are the ones that stuck out for me. You probably have your own examples. I was reminded of a question that's often asked on the Writing Excuses podcast. Has the author kept her promises to the reader? In these areas, I think not. Still a good read overall, despite my nitpicking from Corbin. That's a really good question because whether you feel Becky Chambers has made a promise to you with these things depends on you and what you bring into the novel. For instance, I never was 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 bothered by Corbin and Ohan really? part of the story. When I re- when I was reading the book, once it was brought up I started mm. thinking about it and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I guess, you know, we probably should have had more consequences for him." But at the time, I was like, well, this is what I expect of Corbin. This is what I wanted to happen for Ohan. It Mm -hmm. was not done in the way I thought it should, but it was okay. And the book itself was very character-driven. And by that point in the book, I was fine with that. Yeah. Rosemary's story, on the other hand, you're introduced to the entire crew by her. Right. You're sort of led to believe, in my opinion, that she is going to be the person through which you tell this story. And so I did feel like... I wanted more about her past coming back to haunt her, or at least a a, a better confrontation with the crew over it. Yeah. Uh, And it felt like, and, and, and again, this is actually probably more like the way it would happen in reality is like somebody thinks it's going to be a big deal and then it's admitted. And oh, this is like, basically my entire life. Right. You yeah. Know. Like I'm like obsessively worrying that someone's going to be mad about something totally inconsequential and stupid. I mean, her thing was not inconsequential or stupid. Most of mine are. But still, it was that same kind of feeling, that same kind of vibe of and especially after we met the crew and kind of got to know like how they felt about things and how they interacted with her. I knew immediately that they were going to be totally fine with it. Yeah, I I, I think about actually when my brother came out, Mm -hmm. he was so scared to tell me and my sister. And then once he did, my sister and I were like. Oh, that explains so much. Great. You <laughs> okay, know? great. That's and out he of the was way. Like, he was like relieved and we were like, oh no. I but mean, it's why, hard. You, know, you build up, you build up all the possible. We why he was stressing yeah. out, but we're like, oh, please don't stress out. And not I mean, big, when, you're, deal. when so, you're in your own head like that, it's really difficult to like break out of that and kind of figure out what the, what the, what the realistic right. side of things so is going to be. It, in, in the book, I wanted, I wanted that tension to be ramped up a little more than it was. But yeah. again, other people may read that and be like, oh, no, that's fine. So, But the Corbin I don't know that Becky Chambers made thing? a promise to me that she didn't keep or, or if it was more my own expectation from my own experience. Yeah, I don't know if we ever, if, if an author, that's a really hard question. Like, right. do we feel like we, an author ever owes it to us? To, well, to keep a promise like that? If she had never told us what Rosemary's secret was, right, and and there was no indication that it would be told in a future part of the series or anything, then mm-hmm. that's definitely on the side of definitely you made a promise that you didn't keep. 
right? Yeah, I really think they built up. So for for those who want to know and don't care about being spoiled, her her father was a essentially sold arms to an arms dealer. He yeah. was an arms dealer, an, an illegal arms dealer. He's very wealthy. Had like a you know a a, biz, a separate business that was legit, but also was dealing arms to two warring factions of an alien weapons, race. Weapons, not weapons, human arms, not human arms. That would be oh, that would make being really also illegal story too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so she changed her identity because she wanted a fresh start. So she left to go be a clerk on on the Wayfair, yeah. um, which is the ship that and it the goes story with, takes place on. It goes with the fact that Becky is telling a character-driven story because mm. once you know that about her, then you understand her character. And I think in Becky Chambers' mind is, I've delivered on the promise. I've told you why Rosemary acts the way she does. Mm-hmm. But the plot part of us is like, yeah, but... But we want to know more about the fallout of that. And I'm how, really and how surprised about your the Corbin Ohan. So you didn't think that was, I mean. At the time of the reading, it did not stick out to me as something that I needed more about. Okay, so for, for this one, Corbin, so Ohan is the navigator of the Wayfarer, and he is infected with a, uh, uh, is it, it's not a virus. Well, it's, a parasitic, it's a parasitic It's a parasitic host of some host. kind. So there's two of him. Yeah, so there's two of him, and it, it enables him to be able to, to plot courses for the ship and kind Although, of see interdimensionality. We find out he can navigate just fine without right. it. And so he very much does not want the cure. His his race well, very much looks cousin. down. Yeah, the the his race of people look very much down on the people who have escaped and been cured of the parasite, and saying that they like gave up this amazing gift to be able to be navigators. And but you're supposed to die rather than be cured of. You it. die very young, right. like when you have the parasite. And so Ohan's about to die. He's yeah. not going to be Ohan of either kind anymore. And so Corbin, who has this whole other side story of finding out that he's a clone essentially and and is you know he's outlawed in in most places in in the universe um he he owes a debt to the crew of the ship because they've rescued him from from essentially living out the rest of his life in a labor camp and so he feels he's got he he doesn't handle like interpersonal relationships very well so in his mind he's kind of like all right this is something i know the crew wants they're not going to do it because they feel like they're trying to respect Ohan's wishes to live the life that he wants to live, even though the parasite is what's making him think he wants to live that life. So I'm going to administer the cure to him against his will. Right. Which is ethically unsound, Yeah. but a justification could be made that that parasite is all you're killing and that parasite was about to die anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's so, what that's what's going through Corbin's head. And so the crew is initially furious with him. Yeah. They which makes sense. But none of them were willing to take that step to to do that. They're for furious Ohan. that he made the choice for him, but they're all They're pleased. all secretly happy because they even want that their secretly. friend to yeah. stay alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I obviously. But it is it it does it brings up a lot of ideas of like consent or like you know, I was I started thinking about like ideas about like euthanasia. Well, it's or the like, reverse you know, euthanasia yeah, problem, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so I thought that was really fascinating, and and probably a story that I think deserved a lot more time, um, which I guess but I'm again, agreeing with Colin about plot, not yeah. character. Right. You you don't lose you don't miss anything about Corbin's character or Ohan's character. Mm-hmm. You just miss again more of that story. Yeah. So I mean, and. And would it be a stronger story? Would it be a stronger novel if it had both character and story? You know, that's, I guess that's the argument. And I guess I just, yeah. Uh, 
It was it was tough. I mean, it really is a very character driven book. That's yeah. kind of what it comes down to. Is it, it's definitely a it's it's there's a lot of interesting plot. I think that's happening in the background, and I think I was kind of hoping that the next book would dive more into that, especially in terms of the the kind of intergalactic mm-hmm. war that's probably about to break out. But it seems like we don't really get that in the next book, which I think well, is not even yeah. close. Yeah. Left and, turn, so. And the mm-hmm. the thing is, like, there are also stories that are criticized for being all story and not enough character right, not development. Right, not enough character. And you may be fine with that. Yeah. So this is, a, I, I guess what I would say is not that this is in any way a faulty novel, but this is a novel where if you want to meet really interesting people and spend some time on their ship in space and get that same Firefly feel. It's it's not a crew like the Firefly. It's not a story like the Firefly. But you get that same feeling of camaraderie of like, I like these people and I want to spend time with them. You're going to feel satisfied because you get to spend time with them. You feel like they're your friends mm-hmm. by the end of the story. If you want a tale, this is not the book for you. You know what I actually found to be the most unbelievable portion of the book? What's that? When they're at the banquet, and they're kind of like smack talking the other aliens that show up. Like, what are what's what are they called? The uh, oh, the diplomatic banquet. Yeah, yeah and the, the and the uh, the tor tor the Teremi, Teremi, the Teremi, and the Teremi arrive, and they're like whispering about them, and the Teremi can hear because they have this incredible hearing. I feel like that's something Rosemary would have known about. That's that's in the book. That's in the what's what part is in the book? Yeah. yeah, that's how we know about it. No, I was. She doesn't get the message. I was thinking about oh, that. Yeah. It says this message okay. failed to deliver. Oh, I'm. Which is that a little part. bit Deus Ex okay. Machina that All you right. get to read it, but yeah. yeah. All right. So it was in my mind the whole time. I'm like, Rosemary, you should know this. That yeah. they have like really amazing hearing. Well, let's. Like somebody should know that. Yeah, yeah. And let's, I definitely got that feeling. Let's get yeah. to Drew's comment because sure. it bears on this whole problem. He says, "I'm almost done." And I think I have figured out what has been bugging me. Oh. I'm enjoying the book, but something just didn't feel right. Granted, I had just come off of Vorkosigan binge read. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough barometer yeah. to, to measure against. Long way to a small, angry planet reads like a television show. Almost every chapter is like an episode of a TV show. There's a series arc, the journey to Hedrika. There are character arcs. And there are episode arcs. Each chapter is mostly self-contained, with a focus on just a few characters as their backstories are revealed and their relationships with each other are developed. It's an interesting way to write a sci-fi space opera. I'm really enjoying it, and I hope the ending is great. Fingers crossed. But he didn't. I don't know if he came back. Uh, yeah. I should look farther down in the thread, I guess. And I'm curious. I, I don't really read it as a space opera. I don't know if I would call it a space opera. Oh, really? Why? I just I There's not a lot of hard science in it. No, I I guess I I feel mm, I mm. What what makes you say that though? No, I'm curious. It usually has some more like kind of vast yeah, jo- Josh is saying that space opera typically has more grand plot and more like go. Mm. And but actually, so you know, from that definition, which is just what made me go, is that like I feel like there was grander plot that we just weren't involved in. Yeah, it's happening yeah. O- off stage. It's yeah. happening in the background. It's happening off stage. Space Seinfeld. And that's what the, <laughs> space what is Seinfeld. <laughs> 
Space, space opera about nothing. Space opera about nothing. Wow, like that, that's pretty good, Robert. Yeah. I, I like that you're seeing a crew that isn't caught up in the grand events. Well, they're a little I bit caught I do like up. that part. I mean, they do get wrapped up in it a little bit. But they're not, the they're not, there's no Mary Sue's, right? Yeah. Like, this is not even close. This is, this is definitely people on the, on the edges of, of the main thrust of what's going on. And I think that bugs people because they're like, yeah, but I, that story sounds so cool. And I'm like, yeah, but on purpose, mm. you, you know, let's tell the story of the people below decks. And I mean, I guess it's kind of like our lives. Like we're, we're all yeah. going about our lives doing stuff and having relationships that are major to us and, you know, take up most of our brain space and, and thinking and time and heart. And yet there's massive events going on around us that we're just trying to deal with at any given moment. And right. so it's actually really true to life in a lot of and ways. And we all get contracts to... Yeah, to, for to, a lot of money. Yeah, to jump interdimensionally to, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, punch holes in space. That's so, so I can I related to that a lot. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Felt yeah. very <laughs> biographical, really. At the end of the day, and also my alien lesbian love affair. Right. Yeah. Is that. Well, let's not box it in. I don't want to. Yeah, I never box myself in. No. <laughs> That's what I said, Josh. That literally, is what I literally it's what just she said. said. I literally just said just that. now. Yeah. Well, that was good. I overall like. I, I do want to read the next book because I, I have a we've I've received inklings from from our friends here at the con about what it's about. So, which I think is a cool storyline. <laughs> you mean me? Did you tell me that? Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> my friend Tom told me. <laughs> um, I'm like about fifteen percent into the next book. Okay, oh, that's right. Yeah. You, did say, you said ten earlier though. No, I made some progress. Oh, okay. <laughs> Now that I'm remembering my friend who told me that. Um, so, yeah, it seems like it, it's, at least in the beginning, not necessarily following the same group of people. No, no. I mean, uh, I won't be spoilery, yeah, but that's not. You, you get one person who you know you from literally just spoiled the previous it. book. Just, with your inflection. No, I did not. just spoiled it. And then you get another person. Mm-mm. I'm going to say it the same way. Okay, I see what you uh, did. No, you have characters that you know from the first book, but they're not the main characters. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. I think that's, I like stuff in a world. So I think Although it confuses cool. me because Becky Chambers has said, I don't think I'll return to the Wayfarer again. After but, the second but book. But I may go to the same universe again. The second book is a Wayfarer book but I have yet to see any of the Wayfarer crew in it. Other than the... the I haven't seen any Wayfarer person. crew. Okay. Oh, now you've spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, but I am excited about it. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's... And it's, But it's really good. I'm, so, I'm, yeah. I'm still enjoying it because of the same thing. Right. It's really good. And, and okay. honestly, if I'm going to stick to my analysis, if what you liked about A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is the characters, you don't need to spend more time learning about those characters you've learned about those characters spend some time learning about some new characters and that's kind of fun absolutely well thank you that was that was a great wrap-up and thank you to everybody in the audience to who who uh added thoughts and opinions yeah you guys are the best thank you um so that's that's it for our episode here at baycon 2017 thank you our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons thank you to all of you who back the show we have some of them here today as well uh if you want to support us you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser uh welcome to larry line sean sandalak sean sandalak sandalak 
Well, that's he's, he's that's what we call him on vaginal fantasy. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were just he's, mocking he's our, my stutter. No, he's our he's our big like he he's one of our he he's a major help and mod for for VF. Yeah. But let's not let Sean's legacy outshine Gloria Renna. Thank you, Gloria, as Thank well. Thank you, Gloria. You guys are awesome. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find our links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com/picks. If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions have over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser the bourbon is starting to take hold of my brain and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6 thank you all so much for being here yay Bacon! this podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network for more information about this and other shows visit frogpants.com audio program so good it's like you're there 